This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Ben Fred Fridays on Scoops with Danny Mack in a busy day of sports to get into as we visit with Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, brought to you by Mark Melton. IRS problems, visit Mark Milton, stltaxlawyer.com, stltaxlawyer.com. Any kind of tax issues, the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely on advertisements. It is the wet season and basement issues, egress windows, any kind of cracked basement walls, think stratumrepair.com. Tell them Danny Max sent you, stratumrepair.com. Ben Fredrickson, you're feeling a bit under the weather on this Friday morning. How we doing? I'm hanging in, man. I'm doing all right, but uh, I will rebound. I I think it might have been the uh, the hours spent outside in the cold for the soccer game. I'm, I'm blaming it. Uh, I'm blaming it on that, but it was worth it, man. What what an experience down there at City Park for the big reveal. And Dan, I think the folks have been waiting a while to to have that experience. I think they were a little excited. Yeah, I think they were. I was excited. I know uh, my son, who is a soccer lover, he was fired up, watched it on TV. He's been feeling under the weather, so he was unable to go. But uh, give me just, you know, kind of, I, I know you're not a huge soccer fan. Let's be honest about this. But you went in with eyes wide open and excitement ready to take it in and what it might be like. So going in with eyes wide open, Really not expectations, just kind of taking it in as an observer. What was it like for you? I was impressed. I mean, you you saw the, you know, all the photos and the the pictures coming out of the stadium. So you had a sense of what it looked like. I actually hadn't been on kind of a tour of the stadium since it was a hole in the ground with the dirt piled up. And I kind of had purposely not wanted to see it until it was open because I kind of wanted to see it with people in it. I, I did get a chance to go walk through it early Wednesday morning and it's it's really impressive and to see that night lit up with fans in it um I mean it just it almost kind of feels like everything's in high high definition down there it's the lights they're really bright and clean there's really not a bad seat in the in the building you can see the field very clearly from everywhere you are I love what they've done with the you know the concessions all being local restaurants um there will be some kinks that they have to you know work out like any new building but it just really seems thoughtful it's it's kind of wide open people can get in and out of it from all the different sides um i think if you hear from people who went they were impressed with their first experience with it so it stuck it stood out to me and i mean you know this as well as anyone dan you go back you know more than three years ago now where we found out that this was going to happen for real um, a setback by the pandemic pushed back a year, the different hurdles the stadium has encountered, um, whether it was building the, the stadium or, you know, the sponsorship, uh, you know, curveball they got thrown, they've just kind of powered through. And I think it was kind of clear talking to Lutz Van and Seal after the game, talking to Carolyn before it, Carolyn Kindle, it, it really seems like they have done a good job of taking the added time that has been kind of forced upon them by the pandemic and turning it into uh, strengths and I think that this team when it starts 
its MLS season next year, it's not going to be your average expansion team. And, you know, think about some of the MLS expansion teams that have really struggled early on. They maybe haven't had a home stadium. They haven't had a training facility. They've been figuring out how to travel. Um, They've kind of been doing everything trial by fire. And this group, it knows how to travel. It traveled with, you know, it traveled city to around during its development season. It's got its stadium not only opened, but has had a test run with uh, with the city two team now in a friendly, so they can work on some of those those issues that popped up. They've got a practice facility attached that some MLS teams, expansion or not, would love to have. And I think this is a big thing. And Lutz made the point last night. They've got a lot of their guys here. I mean, they've got kind of the core of their team. They're here in St. Louis, whether they've played for City Two some or not, they they've found their apartments. They've gotten a feel for the city, and sometimes you know that's that can be the biggest thing is just having players who feel like they are not adjusting to their new, new team while also adjusting to new everything else. So I think they've they've been smart to kind of try to use this time to put themselves in a better spot, and I think their hope is that they go out there and compete immediately from from the start of next season. And, you know, last night, I think, was a, was a step toward making that more possible. Yeah, a couple of nights ago when they opened the thing up, I, I just thought it was a culmination of, of so many people and uh, the, the meetings, the hard work, the convincing of, uh, you know, civic leaders to, to trying to get over so many hurdles and humps and – I don't care what it looked like on the field. I was just excited to see people that probably thought this would never, ever come to fruition. And I mean people that have been soccer fans for years, former uh, pro players, and it was just an emotional night. I I was texting uh, with Carolyn Kendall about it, and she said, man, I'm emotional. This is emotional for me to finally kick this thing off. So just so many uh, emotions, you know, for so many fans that uh, wanted to see this come to fruition, and now it's here, and it's going to be here for a long time because of the ownership group that's in place yeah they're resilient and they've had they, they admit they've had hurdles um, i mean heck you were on the front lines of one of those things you know you went and talked to the board of aldermen about <laughs> excuse me the uh you know the trying to get this thing from being stalled and there are all these little points where it could have gotten derailed or spun out and they just kind of keep pushing um I, I think the centene thing is an example of that centene is scaling back some of its areas the the ownership group was not, you know, thrilled about losing its stadium sponsor, but they worked with Centene to have another deal that maybe is more manageable and maybe they get a new stadium sponsor. They're not going to rush it, but they'll see what happens there. They're not going to throw up their hands and make a big deal out of it. They're just going to kind of keep pushing. Um, she told me a story. You probably know this. I had not heard it before that, you know, they're working on the practice facility. This is in the spring and she's driving and she gets a call and it's like, hey, they had to stop construction on the practice facility well why what what happened you know this thing needs to go up these players need a place to train well they discovered some bones in the uh, footprint of the practice facility and they don't know they don't know if it's a a t-rex or a or a you know some sort of archaeological site that is going to be you know you have no clue jimmy hoffa like what is it and they they basically have to get archaeologists to come in and figure it out well it turns out to be just an old long gone cow so Unfortunate for the cow, but but they didn't have they were able to keep it going. It's like when you start something from ground zero, you don't know all of the problems that could come up and all of the hurdles that could come, and they're just kind of rolling with it. So I think for everybody involved on the team side, on the player side, the fan side, it was just kind of like a, it was almost kind of like a pre-party. Um, and and here's the thing: is the play really was the least important thing. 
But also, I, I think you saw how I mean, there were 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds out there playing against a really good Bundesliga team. And that kind of, I thought, was the coolest part, is they had some of these young kids that they hope will graduate eventually to this MLS team, the first team that were out there now saying they played against some of the best players in the world. And that's that's a pretty cool thing. So they've got uh, they've got their team mostly set. I, I think that City Two team, with the attention that it got this year, it, it will fade now from the attention. But you do kind of get a sense of how they want to build this thing, and it's going to be, you know, getting really talented young players and growing them up in this system. And that's a style that St. Louis sports fans can get on board with. The Blues do it, the Cardinals do it, and I think the soccer team kind of wants to be in that same vein where. They're not going to worry about going out and getting washed up big name players um, who just want to come and sell tickets and not play hard. They want to have a product that excites. And clearly there's a fan base here that's interested in it. The supporters section was awesome. I think it'll continue to grow. I think they'll find their rhythms and their kind of their traditions. They've got some already, but there's just a, it was a really cool scene. So it was, it was cool to be a part of it. And it was fun to see it happen for all the people who put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. Yeah, there's no doubt. It was really cool to see and and it was fun to see it on television. So congratulations to those uh, involved. Paul Goldschmidt, MVP. And I, I guess when you're, you're seeing it up close in that final month and he has a a real tough stretch of baseball but you're not seeing it for you know if you're not up close in that final month it puts in perspective the great year that he had and so winning the MVP puts in perspective just how great of a year that he had and he wins the MVP last night I mean it it kind of and, and for those of us who watched it up close and how kind of rough it got for him in September it really makes what he did every month before that, that much more impressive. The fact that everybody who voted on this, and I was not a a voter in the MVP, but the fact that everybody who voted on this nationally understood probably that Goldschmidt tailed off pretty hard toward the end, but they still looked at, they still looked at the, the rest of the league and said, yeah, but he's still very clearly the best player. So it's never awkward to win an MVP. Goldschmidt wins his first one and, and should absolutely be thrilled about that. But, you know, in his head, he's got to be wondering, okay, how do I figure out how to finish stronger? Why did this happen the the way it did? But even, you know, with with what he did before it to make it so clear, it's it speaks to to how well he played every month until September got there. I mean, you look at what he did in those really starting in May, May slugged 817, June slugged 636, July slugged 512, August slugged 667, and then it drops to 383 in September and he was so good before then that really good players one of them is teammates Nolan Arenado Manny Machado they you know you look at the numbers and it's still Goldschmidt so you know he's not thrilled with how the season ended he's a very thoughtful player and he's going to to dig into the why of everything and try to find an answer if there if one can be found but uh, I think he's deserving and I think what he did before September deserves as much attention as what he did in September because there's a heck of a lot more at bats and a lot more time played in those in that pre pre slump than it was in a in a costly slump but one that could not overshadow what he did this season. I think it also puts a little pressure on the front office and maybe the Cardinals to say and just puts it in perspective, I guess it is the better way to put it, but it puts it in perspective, man, we got two MVP guys at the corners and they're not getting yeah. any younger. 
Let's not lose perspective and lose sight of we've got guys in the primes of their career. Don't lose it, and let's surround them with the talent to, to go out and win. Absolutely. Goldschmidt's going to be 35. Um, Nolan's not getting any younger. Um, there's still players who play a ton, and I think it's fair to expect them to age well. They already are, but they are aging, and we know what baseball tells us about guys who get too deep past 30, Dan. It can be it can be a lot harder. So there's a real window here. We The Cardinals don't like to talk of windows, and I get that because they want to be good every year, and their track record has proven that. But there really is a Goldschmidt and Arenado kind of window here, and I think that capitalizing on that, trying to, is important, um, especially for a team that is not happy with how the postseason has gone here in recent years. And they got some help. Um, Nolan Arenado saying, hey, I'll come back. I'm not going to opt out. I don't want to adjust my deal, um, but let's use maybe the money you saved on me to go inject into this team and get better. They they got a head start there, and I think that should be their that should be their path. Is let's go try to find ways this off season to put a more complete team out there to to have it not just be Goldschmidt and Arenado, but to give this team a little more umph around those guys because I think a little could go a long way. Have you done more thinking about that? What direction they should go? Well, um, you know, I I would love to see them. It doesn't sound, you know, listening to some of the comments, recent comments that John Mozeliak made that they're really prioritizing a starting pitcher. Um, but I would love to see them try to get a, a true ace type for the top of the rotation because I think it would make everything else better. I would much rather see them invest in really quality starting pitching than take the gamble of throwing money around on relievers. And I know relievers are the hot item in this market but they're totally unpredictable um you know some of these guys who got big contracts could be could be hurt or could be could be off a cliff you know next season you just don't know and i don't blame the cardinals for having bad luck in relievers i don't think they should be spending significant money on them in some ways because they've got some talented relievers so i would hope that the bet they make is on starting pitching uh, and i think there's a real need for someone who could be at the top of that rotation and some sort of some sort of bat, um, some sort of protection for these guys in the lineup. I I love the idea of Jordan Walker. I do not like the idea of Jordan Walker needing to be a middle order hitter from you know from the jump. I, I think that's asking too much. I like what the Braves did, Dan. We got Michael Harris, who is the National League Rookie of the Year, deservingly, and has a what a 130 OPS plus for the Braves last year. I don't think he hit above ninth in the order more than like. 20 something times and he never got higher than sixth. That's a good lineup when you've got a really talented rookie who's crushing it and you're, you're able to hit him down in the order to keep the pressure off him and to also, you know, have some depth to your lineup. So I'd like to see Jordan Walker in a spot where he's not expected to be a, an impact hitter upon arrival, but he can, he can maybe prove his way to that point, but that means adding somebody to this lineup. Um, and then obviously it's gotta be a catcher. And I, I like Contreras, man. I, I feel like, I feel like there's kind of like a misinformation campaign going on in St. Louis. Uh, maybe you disagree with me here. I don't think Wilson Contreras is a gold glove catcher, but I don't think he's nearly as big of a minus behind the plate as some are making him out to be. He's got a strong arm. He's got a very, very competitive pop time. Um, he's getting, He's been knocked a little bit for some of his pitch framing, which I get. That's a real skill. It's also probably going to be a diminishing skill maybe as early as 2024, when they when they have the automated strike zone, 
And, you know, the verdicts and the readings on some of his blocking and defensive things are kind of all across the board. I, I don't think he's as, as as big of a minus there as some folks are making him out to be. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. By the way, Yuri Collins is a stud. I just want to let you know that. He was hey, really good the that. other day. He was really good against <laughs> Memphis the other day. They've got, uh, and, what, Maryland this weekend? Yeah, yeah. After a big win against Memphis, they're playing to that Mohegan Sun event so a real chance for them to double up a big win against memphis and, and basically if they win that game they got to be ranked that would put them in a really good spot headed into that auburn game on the road which that's a tough tall order but remember they nearly beat auburn last season at chaffet so it is one of the most beautiful things in sports is watching a truly gifted point guard no and doubt we don't we don't get to see it very often yuri collins if he's not the best point guard in the country then it's it's a short list that he's on. Um, his ability to see the court, his poise, Dan. He's he's always been good. We we've watched him for years now, but he's got a different level of confidence this year, and it's it's affecting his team in a positive way. That game against Memphis could have gotten off the rails. We've seen it happen to Slew how many times where they get a lead, they start to get a little panicky, a team hits a big shot, they don't answer all of a sudden, you know, last last seconds, and they're on the wrong end of it. Well, here they are on the right end of it. And why are they? Well, because Yuri Collins made two huge free throws because every time out he was calming down his teammates. They believed in him. They trusted him. He found a way to lead them through a storm. And when you when you can do that, then you make it make it less likely that's going to happen again. So they've got to finish games better. They've got to figure out a way to handle the ball when he's either not bringing it up the court or when he's on the bench. Heck, he was checking himself back into the game. <laughs> This game, Travis wasn't even doing it. He was just saying, I got to go back in because we're turning the ball over. So they're not going to get another Yuri, but they've got to find a way to just not be so dependent on him in those pressure spots. But he's so good. He's involving his teammates. I love it when he looks to shoot because he still passes them. I think they're. I think he needs to be more aggressive offensively because I think that makes everyone around him so much better. Also, not to go on and on, he defended – you know, the, the Memphis point guard in that game, and, and, and that's one of the best point guards around, too. So he was playing defense well, too. He's truly special to watch. If you haven't had a chance to see this kid play in person, you owe it to yourself if you like college basketball to go to Chaffetz Arena and watch Yuri Collins play before he's gone because you're not going to see another player like this for a while. So Mizzou football has New Mexico State, and it's going to be a week after they allow 726 yards. I think Tennessee six, just scored again. Holy right cow, and 66 points. Much of that unanswered against Tennessee. What did you see what happened against Tennessee and what needs to happen this weekend? Well, I think Tennessee's offense is the story there. They're really good, and I think Missouri's defense is, is good, but Tennessee's offense is making every defense not named Georgia look bad. Wow. So that's what I saw. Um, and here's the other thing. Tennessee was coming off of a loss to Georgia, they know that they are going to have to just flood points to get back in the college football playoff picture. And Josh Heupel is not going to call off the dogs against anybody. So they're going to, they're going to be on this kind of pain train whoever against whoever they're playing with, trying to rack up enough points for the college football, you know, selection committee has to say, Hey, if somebody drops out, you know, if TCU goes down, if, if USC goes down, then Tennessee needs to be in there. So I, I think Missouri was in a tall order and, it did a good job keeping the game close for a half, and then Tennessee just turned on the uh, the boosters there, and it got it got lopsided in a hurry. Maybe, perhaps, also some. I, I don't think this was a, as big of a factor, but <laughs> those comments that Eli Drinkwitz made about uh, ex Vols coach Jeremy Pruitt 
uh, maybe that uh, maybe that piled on a little bit, but I don't think Heupel. I think Heupel was only worried about trying to get as many points as possible. This Missouri defense had done a good job of bending and not breaking, and it kind of broke in this game. I don't think it's broken. I think they will bounce back strong against New Mexico. This needs to be a a just an easy win for Mizzou. The only real intrigue here, Dan, is is can it be? Can the offense handle its business? It played a little better actually against Tennessee. The, the biggest intrigue for this game. But other than bowl eligibility still being on the line, Mizzou has to win out unless they're going to go to one of those pathetic bowls where you go with a, a 500 record or worse. Um, will Sam Horn play? The freshman, if he's going to play this year, this is the game to do it. Um, you have to be up by enough of a margin to get him in there. But I think a lot of folks are hoping to see the freshman here as they wonder what the quarterback answer will be for Eli Drinkwitz going into what needs to be a very big year four, Dan. He's got the extension, but he doesn't have – Teflon security here. So I think I think will Sam Horn play? If he does, what does he look like is the most intriguing element of this game. So the Blues played last night. They're going to play three games before Thanksgiving. A general question. Who are the St. Louis Blues as we wrap it up? Well, they're more of this team than they are that one we saw on an eight-game losing streak and why they had to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel to find it. I, I don't know. I, I think Saad being back is big. I think maybe we overlooked what he brings. Um, they're now you know, rewarding the good goaltending they're getting from Jordan Bennington. So I, I, this is who they are now. Are they, are they a lock for a postseason team? I don't know, but they're a team that that can be dangerous. And this is a group that we expected to see. I don't know who the imposters were that we saw during the eight game losing streak. They should absolutely keep the the moms around for as long as possible until they lose. Never, never underestimate the power a visit from mom can do when you're down in the dumps. I would, I would advise everyone. But uh, they're, this, this is who they are. They, they're starting to look a little bit more like a Craig Berube coach team. I think the line that has, has been put around Ryan O'Reilly, he's starting to click now, which is huge. You're seeing Kairou start to come alive a little bit, and he has to be a big part of this. So they're probably, uh, they're probably somewhere between the team we saw lose eight straight and the one that's on a winning streak. But I think they're more this team than, than the one that we saw kind of bottom out there. So they're in the mix kind of around American Thanksgiving, which is kind of the deciding line. So hopefully Doug Armstrong is not having to uh, move forward on those blow it up plans, at least not yet. All right, buddy. What are you working at this, uh, working on this weekend at the Post-Dispatch? Well, I'll have a column for Sunday about one of my favorite events of the year. I'll be at the Musial Awards, and uh, for folks who get a chance to go to that, um, I look forward to seeing folks there. If not, you'll be able to watch it on TV. The CBS broadcast will be around the holidays, and they got a great um, a great lineup this year. Albert Pujols will receive the Lifetime Achievement Award, which will link him even closer to Stan the Man. They've got some other great honorees, a very heavy baseball theme this year for, for the Musial Award. So I'll be there with coverage and a column. We've got a column coming out about the experience at uh, at the soccer kickoff Wednesday night. And, of course, Paul Goldschmidt covered at stltoday.com as well. That's Ben Fredrickson. We do this every Friday and on Sunday night, 1030 Fox 2. Uh, my guests will include Jim Powers with a wrap-up on the high school scene, the fall sports scene and what's happening, uh, the top three football players, where they're headed, uh, college, and then looking at uh, all the different sports that are 
uh, played in the fall, whether it be softball, um, you could look at cross country, you could look at swimming and volleyball. They don't get enough attention, so we thought we'd give them some attention. Brad Thompson talking about the hot stove, and then what I'm thankful for in St. Louis sports, which I'm uh, enjoying putting that together and that'll be Sunday night 10 30 on scoops of Danny Mac the TV show on Fox 2 for Ben did Frederick, I make the cut uh no you didn't no, uh, no maybe next year maybe next year all right maybe I'll make your uh your naughty and nice list uh, this year in the post-dispatch <laughs> when you get around you're Christmas falling time off of my, you're falling off my Christmas gift list column just uh, quickly, for that response quickly yeah. I think I am yeah. thank you buddy I'll, I'll catch <laughs> yeah, up man. with you next week have a good weekend This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done.